Dylan Carlson had a bad year last season, but he's dedicated himself to trying all sorts of new things to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Why a bounce back year by the former number one prospect could happen in 2023. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. You can also follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also available on YouTube. If you haven't checked us out there yet, You should do that. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment so you can interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We've spent a lot of time talking about the outfield this week, but that's only because it's one of the few interesting positions in camp right now I mean we know what the infield's going to look like right uh we know who the catcher is but the outfield has so many possibilities and a lot of what happens out there will be predicated on the health of Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson so they deserve the extra attention that we're giving them this week uh Lars Newbar he's the new darling of the ball right everybody is uh in love with them and we're expecting a continuation of what we saw in the second half of last year So far, so good. There's no reason to think that he can't do that. I've been one of those people to pump the brakes a little bit because I don't want, I don't want Lars to, it's not that I don't want Lars to be successful. It's that I, I, he's never had this level of success anywhere else in his career, whether it was college, whether it was in the minor leagues. And I just don't want it to seem like he has to do this incredible job out in right field where he's got to hit you know 275 and he's got to have an OPS plus of uh, 130s and I'm not trying to put all that pressure on him Um, I'm just being a little more hesitant because when pitchers figure you out sometimes you have slumps in your second year and things are a little different for you so I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on Lars Newtbar not that I'm not excited about him don't get me wrong but I'm not ready to anoint him the new god of outfielders uh, in the National League or for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, but if he does hit 250, 15 home runs this year, I'm not going to be disappointed. I think that's going to be a great year for him. But if if Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson has a year similar to what Lars did last year as far as numbers-wise, where it's you know, two, 230, 14 home runs, somewhere in that vicinity, it's going to be a disappointment. I think a lot of people feel that would be an underwhelming season for both O'Neill or Carlson. And I ran a poll on Twitter yesterday to ask fans, if Walker makes the roster out of spring training, who are you benching? And a lot of people reached out. We're like, well, do we have to bench somebody? Can we rotate? Yes. Obviously that's something that they're going to do, but just for discussion wise, who would you bench out of the three guys that you think are going to be the starters if Walker doesn't make it out of camp 69.2 percent of the vote went to Dylan Carlson 
People are really down on him after last year. And he's determined not to go through another injury riddled and inconsistent season like he had last year. So what kind of things has Dylan Carlson done to bring his stock back up to where it was in 2021, where he was a top prospect in baseball? Not just with the Cardinals, but in baseball. Uh, hit 266, 18 home runs, 64 RBIs, OPS plus of 115. He was third in the Rookie of the Year voting that year behind two guys who, oddly enough, also had down years last year. Uh, the winner of the Rookie of the Year that year was the Reds' Jonathan India. He couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay on the field, had a, a down year. And the Marlins' Trevor Rogers, who we've talked plenty about because he was somebody that I thought the Cardinals should show interest in trading for since he had it. A down year last year. Maybe they could get him a little bit cheaper. But uh, Derek Gould at STL uh, Today.com did a piece on Dylan just the other day, and he brought up something that I suppose many of us take for granted, and that's the vision, like the type of vision that you need to play the game of baseball. Uh, the days of watching guys like Chris Sabo rocking the rec specs or Daryl Porter, remember him in the 80s wearing your normal eyeglasses while he was out there on the diamond. Those days are gone. People don't really do that anymore. Nowadays, we've got the corrective lenses, the contacts, LASIK surgeries. You've got plenty of ways to correct whatever's going on with your eyes. So you don't see many people fiddling with eyewear other than sunglasses, really. But in the article, Gould brought up that Carlson has been tinkering with different ways to help his vision stay consistent this season. He writes, at the start of spring training, Carlson is exploring different options to sharpen his vision, regardless of conditions such as dry eyes or humidity. He's worn contacts for years for nearsightedness, but on Sunday, he used new prescription glasses and live batting practice for the first time, and he was also given eye drops to combat some dryness and wanted to see if that helped. And every time I hear the phrase dry eyes, I think of that Ben Stein eye drop commercial. Dry eyes. I'm sorry. It just gets in my head every time. Um, the goal, he said, is to find ways to keep his eyesight consistent, and by the end of camp, he wants to commit to the sports glasses or sticking with the contacts. On Sunday, wearing the glasses, Carlson batted only from the right side, planned to test the glasses from the left side of the plate the next day, but the conditions were sunnier and far brighter, so he went back to the contacts and sunglasses, and he also received some eye drops for dryness. He was encouraged by how he saw the ball, and after talking with team medical officials, gave the eye drops another run. He intends to try the uh, glasses from the left side in the coming days. He's never worn them in a game. Carlson also pointed out that the switch in climate from California to Florida and the baked wind contributed to how his eyes felt. He's experienced and addressed itchiness and blurring before, and he wants a solution. As a guy that has never worn prescription glasses or anything like that, I tend to forget about how much your vision is important in this game, because it really is. It's one thing that I point out to people when you hear really good hitters talk about hitting and picking up the spin of the ball or reading the seams and I'm amazed that the eyesight that some of these guys have to be able to recognize those things, because the earlier you can identify what's coming, the better chances of you hitting it. And I, it's incredible how well some of these guys can see and how good their vision is. And if that's a problem, that's going to make hitting a problem, which may have contributed to some of the struggles last year. But it just never really dawned on me that struggling to find something that you're really comfortable with is probably an ongoing issue all season for players who wear contacts and glasses. My wife wears uh, glasses, and uh, but she's always in contact. She's always fiddling with them and having issues, and they're tearing. And I can't imagine going through that 
and trying to hit baseballs for a living. So I found all of that very, very interesting. And I'm, I'm not using it as an excuse to why Carlson had it down here last year, but there's a good chance that it contributed to it. Uh, he was a very good hitter from the right side, not so good from the left. Uh, stats last year, 305 average, 477 slugging, 845 OPS against left-handed pitching. Fantastic. Hitting from the left side against righties, well below average, 207, 339 slugging, 633 OPS, had as many strikeouts as hits, which was just 63. So this is why near the end of the season, he became more of a platoon guy against lefties than your full-time player, which is not what you want. You need somebody with the talent of Dylan Carlson out there in the outfield every single day. I don't care if it's in center, left, right field. You, you want him out there every single day, and as a switch hitter, you would think he'd be able to be out there more times than not because the matchups, he just flips over to the other side. But if you can't hit <laughs> from the left side of the play, that's a problem. Uh, it could also be a reason why you're seeing the Cardinals keep their options open on who is going to be playing center field because if those splits continue this year for Carlson like they did last year, he's not going to be in the lineup every day. But vision adjustments are the only thing Carlson is working on this spring. Uh, he's also noticeably bigger in camp and i'll tell you how and why that is a good thing next on locked on cardinals now if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories built bar is right up your alley if you're like me and you're trying to eat healthier here in 2023 don't want to compromise taste though you still want the flavor of uh, eating something sweet but not all the bad stuff that goes with it built bar is where you got to go covered in 100 real chocolate unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond I'm not quite sure how they put it all together. I, I'm not somebody who makes food for a living, but they do a good job maintaining the amazing macros. It's 130 calories, four grams of sugar, but you get 17 grams of protein, which is something like when we're talking about what Dylan Carlson has done and bulking up this offseason, protein's a huge part of that. You need a lot of it, and um, Bill Bar can help you get the, the, the satisfaction of something sweet, but also Get the good things in your body, too. Uh, you can order them at Built.com still. Or if you uh, want to go to Walmart, you can walk to their pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. Uh, the four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs available there. Sam's Club has got them as well. Get the 13-bar box with brownie batter and churro. But again, if you want updates on the new flavors that are coming out and you still want to order online, you can do that. Head on over to Built.com today for more information. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Now make Locked On MLB Prospects your next visit. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Another way that Dylan Carlson has decided to try and improve on his numbers from last year is by changing his body. And I've said in the past that one thing I wanted to see out of Dylan Carlson at some point was him to add some weight because he had a very lean body coming up and he's a young man he's 24 still growing into things still learning how to uh you know build your body up uh, a little bit bigger in certain ways and um I thought that would help him and it's not that Dylan Carlson wasn't in shape before it's not that but he was listed at 62205 perhaps that was his opening day weight because during the season he looked more like he was around 185 190 maybe 195 and um not that there's anything wrong with being in that certain weight class because normally you don't see a center fielder, which is what he really is, as a bulkier guy. You have a couple of them. Mike Trout's one of them. 
uh, 6'2", 235 pounds. Mike Trout is an absolute bull. Uh, Luis Robert for the White Sox, 6'2", 220, big dude. But normally you see center fielders fall between the 195 and uh, 205 mark when it comes to weight. And just from the eye test, Dylan just seemed a little too lean for me a little too thin and uh, could benefit from a diet that would help add some mass onto his frame. He doesn't need to get weightlifter big. That would look weird on him, and it would probably hinder him the way he moves out in the outfield and uh, running the bases and whatnot, and his body may not be built for that. But adding a little muscle wouldn't have hurt. And lo and behold, this camp, he comes in, they show up about a week ago, and you can tell he's put in some work and has put in, put on some muscle. Now, John Denton put out an article from MLB.com that discussed the changes that he's made to his diet to help bulk up. Apparently, this was under orders by the Cardinal Strength and Conditioning staff, so I'm glad they recognized this, but they wanted him to add weight as a way to help him get through the 162-game grind that is the MLB season and also, at the same point, generating more power at the plate. Now, according to Dylan, he consumes... 4,500 calories a day while working intensively in the weight room several times a week. Now, if you're not familiar with caloric intake, um, normal average person, male, takes in between 2,000 and 2,500 calories. If they're eating a normal diet, not stuff in your face full of pizza and candy and stuff like that. So to go from where Dylan Carlson was, if let's say he was doing that, 2,000 to 2,500, and to double that and move up to 4,500, it's quite a leap. And it's not an easy thing to do, to put this extra food in your body every day, especially when you're not 6'5", 250 pounds. I've gone through, and I'm actually going through a, a similar type of diet at this moment because I wanted to add some good, healthy muscle weight. I'm also one of those guys that's normally very lean, and it's something I wanted to try this year. So I'm familiar with some of the stuff he's going through because it's not, hey, just scarf down cheeseburgers and fries and potato chips, and you'll get all the calories you want. You got to eat good stuff for you, healthy fats, and it's a lot of chicken, and it's a lot of lean beef, and it's broccoli, avocados, uh, protein shakes, and you're getting them over and over and over, and you eat between five and seven meals a day. That's what you're shooting for. And that's like a normal thing. And in between that, you also have to figure out a way to live life. You got to work out. You use the bathroom a lot, (laughs) especially if you're intaking a lot of fiber. It's just not an easy thing to do. So kudos to uh, Dylan Carlson for putting forth the effort. And he's pulling it off too. Uh, His diet, according to this uh, article during spring training, is breakfast, breakfast number one. Uh, It includes potatoes, eggs, oatmeal, and fruit. I would imagine the eggs are probably the uh, egg whites. Uh, Then after a round of cage work, Carlson comes back through for breakfast number two, which involves an omelet, avocado, and heaps of bacon. After work on the field, Carlson sandwiches two lunches around his weightlifting session. Um, My lunches consist of uh, oven-roasted turkey sandwiches, but they're not big ones. They're small ones. You got to eat fruit, you got to eat vegetables, having some yogurt, throwing in a little peanut butter. Uh, at night, dinner features more protein and starches. For a nightcap, he downs a protein shake. That way he can get to his 4,500-calorie goal. That's all fine and dandy when you're rich and you've got a chef to prepare it all for you, but everyday people, it's a, it's a lot of meal prep. And I, I'm assuming 
Dylan has been meal prepping himself. He might not be now that he's in camp, but he was probably doing it all while he was in the offseason. But it's paying off. It's paying off. And manager Ali Marmol even pointed out the change, saying he's up to 12, he's up 12 to 14 pounds. He's increased his upper body strength by 10%, and his lower body is stronger as well. There's been improvements in several different areas, and that's what he was tasked with. So we're wanting to continue to see improvements in all of those areas and see how it translates to his overall exit velocity and power. Now, he's not going to be Tyler O'Neill big. He's not. That's just uh, most people aren't. <laughs> uh, but you can definitely see that he's filled out some. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his shoulders. And I actually... I had this picture on YouTube. This was a picture of the outfielders all working on stuff together the other day. And obviously you see Tyler O'Neill in the middle there with his bodybuilder physique. Uh, you've got Lars on the left and he's a thin guy. Lars Dupar is a thin guy, but you can see his, he's got some broad shoulders there. But then you see there's Dylan Carlson on the right side there. Look how much bigger he is than what he even looked like last year. You can definitely tell he's put in the work. And uh, that's great to see. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll find out if, because I always fig figured he was going to be kind of like a 15 home run guy, which is not a horrible thing. But I thought he could use some extra mass to push that up a notch. And now that he's done that, maybe he gets up to the 2025 home run uh, per season type of uh, tier. Um, I'm certainly rooting for him because I want to see Dylan Carlson do good. And I, I hate that so many people are bashing on him right now after one year where he was hurt in just his second full season in the major leagues. It's amazing how many people quit on him already. Um, and we're going to get the chance to see how the results uh, of this hard work pan out in the spring. Because remember, Tyler O'Neill and Lars Dupar are not going to be around in the spring for much longer. They're going to be off in the World Baseball Classic playing for their team. So, you're going to see a lot more of Dylan Carlson this spring, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the Cardinals announced their uh, Hall of Fame candidates for this year, so we're going to run through some of those next year. Actually, not some of them. We're going to run through all the candidates next on Locked on Cardinals. So if you haven't gone over to FanDuel yet, not sure what you're waiting for. The second half of the NBA season is here. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win your first bet uh all you got to do download the FanDuel Sportsbook app it's safe it's secure it's very very easy to use don't be afraid of it and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three pointers drained I personally do the smaller bets where I bet on things like uh, how the first bucket of the game is going to get scored you've got free throws layups three pointers dunks Tons to choose from, and you can do it for every single game out there. FanDuel also does this thing where you can combine your bets and give you a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So if you do a bunch of smaller bets on one particular game and they all cash in, you get this huge payout instead, which is a fun way to go about things as well. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The 2023 Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot has been released. And as usual, there are some tough decisions to be made ahead. Uh, so those of you who are going to vote, great. 
I encourage all of you guys to vote, actually. Uh, voting will begin on Saturday the 25th, so the time of this recording, it will be tomorrow. And that will end on April 21st. So you've got quite a large window there <laughs> to uh, get all your votes in. And here are your candidates. I've also got some uh, visual aids for those of you who are watching on YouTube today. So let's start with candidate number one, right-handed pitcher Joaquin Andujar, who, by the way, let me take the picture down real quick if you noticed. The jacket I'm rocking today. Let me move it over here. Got the uh, 80s Whitey Herzog St. Louis Cardinals jacket. It got cold again. I thought spring was starting to come around, and then all of a sudden everything dipped back down into the 30s. I'm like, woo! Give me a chance to to rock my 80s Cardinals jacket here on the on the stream. So anyway, here we go. Uh, Joaquin Andujar, right-handed pitcher, sadly passed away back in 2015 after complications from diabetes was one of the more colorful pitchers in Cardinals history. Um, and his first year on the ballot is this year. He was a top performer for the pitching staff from 1981 to 1985, helping the franchise win the 1982 World Series and coming within and out of doing so again in 1985. A lot of people will remember his meltdown in the 1985 uh, series against the Royals, where after the the horrible call at first play at uh, first base, Andy Hart comes in and then they don't call a, a strike on a pitch that looked like a strike and he just lost his mind. And that's who he was though. He, he very, um, very passionate is a good way to describe uh walking Andujar back in the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had 37 complete games, 13 shutouts in his time with the Cardinals, won a gold glove in 84 and finished fourth in the NL Cy Young voting in 84 and 1985 left-handed pitcher, Steve Carlton. Now, this one might sting a little bit for people because Steve went on to become a National Baseball Hall of Famer after getting traded away from St. Louis to the Phillies. He is uh, on the ballot for the fifth time, and one can only imagine what might have been had he remained a a St. Louis Cardinal his entire career, which led him to Cooperstown. Still ranks eighth in franchise history in strikeouts despite playing just five seasons with the team. Uh, He's tied for third. With 13 10 strikeout games, he was 14 and 9 with a 2.98 ERA on the 1967 Cardinals team that won the franchise's eighth World Series title. But uh, again, really took off after the Cardinals made that awful trade with the Phillies to uh, move Steve Carlton because of a sadly a contract dispute is what uh, what did that. Uh, moving on to another pitcher, how about Matty Moe, Matt Morris? Eighth year on the ballot, he's sixth on the Cardinals' all-time strikeout list. Pitched for five NL Central Division championship teams, made 11 postseason starts, which is third most in franchise history. Matty Moe was a just a demon back in the day. That dude was so good. And unfortunately, you know, he never won a, a, a title, but he was really, really good and very important to uh, to those Cardinals teams that he was on. I mean, five NL Central Division championships while he was a member of that rotation. So, obviously, he was something special. Uh, a guy I think very special is shortstop Edgar Renteria, who also is in his eighth year on the ballot. Uh, among shortstops, he's second in Cardinals history in home runs and stolen bases, also third in hits, extra bases, batting average, RBIs. He won three Silver Sluggers was a three-time All-Star and won two gold gloves in his six seasons in St. Louis, one of the best trades in Cardinals history. They got him from the Marlins. Are you ready for this? Armando Almanza, Braden Looper, who was a first-round pick, and Pablo Ozuna 
for Edgar Renteria, who was an absolute superstar while he was with the Cardinals. I loved Edgar Renteria, and I still do. Uh, finally, final candidate, Cardinals Hall of Fame. There he is. Last but not least, St. Louis' own David Freeze on the ballot this year, most remembered for his heroics in the World Series against Texas in a game that many consider one of the greatest, if not the greatest, World Series game of all time. Not just in Cardinals history, but World Series history. Game six hits the game-tying two-out-two-run triple to tie the game up as the Cardinals were just one out away from losing the series. And then two innings later, he smacks that walk-off dinger to send it to game seven, which the team goes on to win and secures the uh, 11th championship. Was the NLCS MVP, World Series MVP that year? That postseason alone <laughs> should should get David Freeze in. It really, really should, and I, and I think it will at some point. But those are your candidates. So what I want you to do is let me know in the comments below on YouTube who you're voting for. All of them deserving in their own special way. I think Renneria was highly underrated during his time because he was just so quiet. He's not somebody who was on the microphone and boisterous, but just went out there and did his job and did it at a high level. Was one of the best shortstops in all of baseball during his time in St. Louis. Morris, bulldog for those teams he was with. Carlton, as great as he was. The salary dispute probably leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, which, which led to his trade, but should be in, no doubt. I mean, he's a real Hall of Famer. Not, you know, he's already in the in Cooperstown. I feel like he should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame by now. It's weird that he's not. Uh, walking Andahar, the flair that you saw on display in the World Series, that was all the time, but uh, won the championship in 82. And then you got Freeze, who, uh, like I said, I, I think he'll get in at some point anyways, if not this year. If I had to choose, I think I'm voting for Renneria since he's who I saw play, whereas Carlton was before my time. I think it would be one of those two. Again, I think Freeze is going to get in, so I'm not worried about voting for him this year. But I would, I think I would go Renneria and then Carlton would be the way I'd pick it and then Freeze. But let me know what you guys think down below on YouTube or you can hit me up on Twitter. As for the Cardinals this weekend, Saturday, Wainwright will start the opener against Washington. Uh, Jake Woodford is one of the pitchers scheduled to follow Wayno in the game. Both could aim for at least two innings, maybe three for Wainwright. So we look forward to that and uh, getting some spring training games started, man. Baseball, it's here. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I will see you next time on Locked on Cardinals. 